Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, let's be real about something. As we get older, get kids, pets, multiple jobs, it becomes harder and harder to find the right time to connect to your partner. But when you do get that sliver of a moment, you need to be ready. That's where Blue Chew comes in. Blue Chew is the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know it works. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, best of all, no more awkwardness. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first order free when you use our special promo code ARMCHAIR. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's BlueChew.com promo code ARMCHAIR to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. You are listening to The Bird Calls on the Armchair All-American Network. For more on your Pelicans, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. Welcome to another episode of the Bird Calls Podcast. I'm your host, contributor to thebirdrights.com, Preston Ellis. Today, we are talking Zion at the 5, Drew Holiday, and what he needs to do to make the Pelicans successful. And to do it, we've got Mr. Kevin Berrios, the Prince of the Protocol. What's going on, man? Nothing much. Uh, just hanging out with the puppies and uh, running around town a little bit. My aunt's moving here for a year, so she was in town, so I just went and met up with her and had dinner. Um, so that was nice. Pretty cool. I know that you guys all care about our personal lives. So I had five pets in my house this weekend. Uh, my wife and I decided to borrow some of the, um, the the puppies from the same litter as our nine-month-old golden retriever. So we had four dogs in our house in addition to our cat. And we're moving and we're pregnant. We've got our anatomy scan tomorrow morning. So a lot going on in the Ellis household too. But you've got kind of a, a bachelor's weekend going on, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Gio's in New York visiting her, her mom and some friends. So, uh, yeah, I got the house to myself for about 10 days. Well, not to myself. She's got she's sleeping in a king size bed with nobody else in it in New York. And I'm in this queen size trying to play Tetris between two dogs on the bed. <laughs> He's in there. So she's living the life. All right. Well, Ali Cosell is on a dozen different radio stations and he's got an early morning flight to Cincinnati. So we'll have him on a pod either tomorrow or Friday. David Grubb is also I think he's on television right now. In addition to hosting his show Hard in the Paint on 1280 AM, if you guys haven't tuned into that yet, make sure that you do. He should be joining us momentarily. Kevin, I want to start with something that John Schumann of NBA.com just posted. I don't have it in front of me, but uh, I'll, I'll let you talk and then I'll pull up the statistics as we go along. Basically, early indicators have Zion 
Zion being much more successful at the five position next to Nicola Melli and Kenrich Williams. And the Pelicans have been putting forth a pretty negative net rating when pairing him with natural centers like Jaleel Okafor and Derek Favors. Obviously, this is an early sample size. And when he's on the floor with guys like Favors, he's initially going against, you know, team starters. It's early in the games when the offense is a bit clunkier before they've established a rhythm. But do you think there's anything to this? Do you think this is going to be a storyline that we see develop over the next few weeks? I think there's something to it. I don't think you need to panic about it, though. Like, I think that Derek Favors, we haven't really seen a completely healthy Derek Favors yet, I don't believe, and I don't think we've seen him comfortable yet. Um, I think him and Zion will be a nice pairing, um, but I don't think it's that surprising to see that Zion playing closer to the basket, being the guy under the basket for him, especially What's up, when- kids? When you hey, have- what's up, Grub? We are live. We're talking to Kevin right now. So, Kevin, continue with your line of thought, and we'll get right to you, Grub. So, yeah, like having um, a spacer like Melly on the floor to create more space, or whether it's Kenrick or whoever else at the small forward, if you have space for him to operate by the basket, that, I mean, in theory, I think that's what we've all thought. You know, when we were talking about making trades and things like this before we had this team put together, you know, we're, we wanted uh, – Miles, most of us wanted Miles Turner as the center because of that exact thing, because he can be a stretch five and, and those kind of things. So I don't think it's shocking to find out that the numbers are that way, but I also am not going to panic about the numbers with favors just because I don't think favors is at a hundred percent and that things are completely worked out yet. And people are comfortable in their roles yet. And then again, also that's when they're playing other team starters instead of, you know, later on when they got, you know, mix and match units out there. Um, so it's not a true indicator, but in theory, having a guy that can shoot and letting Zion play near the basket is what you really want. David, perfect timing, my friend. Uh, we just disclosed 1280 AM hard in the paint and you were just doing a radio spot. What were you just up to? Yeah, I was uh, on air in California uh, do, uh, doing a live broadcast of the Mark My Words show out there so i was uh contributing to their uh football talk actually so very cool busy man uh if you guys aren't following him already on twitter at hard in the paint or at dm grub i also recommend following him on instagram where he posts some good stuff every day uh what's your handle on instagram david uh dm grub is my personal but for the show it's h-i-t-p with d grub Easy enough. Now, David, we were going to talk about Drew Holiday, and we're still going to get to him, but John Schumann of NBA.com just posted this, and Kevin just talked about it a little bit, and he did this by hand, you guys, so make sure you follow him because he is putting in hard work, and we are reaping the benefits right now. Now, David, here are the numbers. In 54 minutes, at power forward with Derek Favors on the floor, Zion is negative 21. At power forward with Jackson Hazer, Jalil Okafor, negative 4 in just 10 minutes. But at center with Nicolo Melli, Plus 32 in 37 minutes at center with Brandon Ingram or Kenrich Williams at power forward, plus 22 in nine minutes. Obviously, this is a small sample size. It's preseason basketball. Typically, when he's playing the five, it's probably against reserve units. But what do you take away from these very early indicators? Well, I think Kevin um, hit on it a bit, and and I think my thoughts would probably be somewhat similar. Um, Yeah, first of all, I don't think Derek Favors is 100% healthy. We knew during game before game one that he might be a scratch because of a hamstring and he almost did not he didn't participate in the open practice um because of that i mean just made like a cameo so 
um, you saw him have one really good preseason game. And that was the second game uh, against Chicago. And he was very effective that night. He had uh, nine points, nine boards, blocked. He did a great job that night. And he had the best plus minus of all the starters um, in that game. But since then, his minutes and his production have been very low and limited. And if you watch him run, he is not running well. Uh, so I think that's part of it. The second part is, is that it's not surprising that they can be effective with Zion and the five in doses. I think when, when Zion was drafted, again, David Griffin talked about him being used in a Draymond Green type role. But adding that super athleticism, the, the ability to score at a higher rate than, than somebody like Draymond, um, those things allow themselves you know, they match Zion's skill set, and particularly against a second unit, as you said. So I think, yeah, as a as the Pelicans use that kind of lineup of depth, it will be effective for bursts, but you can't do it for long stretches of time with those groups because the other guys all have their deficiencies as well. Defensively, Zion has his own deficiencies right now. Nicola Melli has deficiencies defensively. So with that group, if the longer you put them out there, those numbers are going to start to even out if you keep them out there too long. It's the same thing with the Warriors. They don't run that lineup out there for more than 10 to 12 minutes a game unless they absolutely have to because they know there's a point of diminishing returns. So I think that's the case with this resign. It's going to look good now, but we have to see how this develops because they have not put that full group on the floor, that full starting lineup in starters minutes and in starter situations. And we're going to see a lot of change over these first few weeks. So I don't want to pull anything too definitively out of any numbers, but I do think it's encouraging to see that Zion can be effective at the five. All right, we're going to do a shorter pod, so we're going to go ahead and transition to Drew Holiday. Kevin, this is something I wrote about today. And there's been some off-season speculation about David Griffin pushing him as a league MVP-type candidate. Obviously, he had the best uh, statistical season of his career offensively. Uh, he lost about a point in defensive real plus-minus, but still made the second team in 2018-2019. So let's get your perspective on this, Kevin. Is pushing Drew Holiday for MVP a reasonable expectation? And do you think it's the right thing for the Pelicans to do? I don't necessarily think it's not that he won't have numbers that look like an MVP. I could see that happening, but I don't think that it's a reasonable expectation just because I think this, you know, when you look at this team, I think they're going to be very fun. I think they're going to be very talented. I think that they're a very good unit. I think they're deep throughout the roster, but I don't think that they're going to be competing for the top four playoff spots in the West. And I think that's going to definitely hurt Drew Holiday in terms of, you know, MVP voting. So I, I think, it you know, the campaign and all is cool. It's fun. It's something to, like, add to this uh, added storyline to the season for people to enjoy, to track and, and those kind of things. But I think the reality of it, not that Drew can't be that kind of player once this team really clicks and, and, and uh, you know, it's really rounded out and guys develop. Um, I think, you know, potentially he could be that like in the MVP discussion one day um, because he has that, that kind of talent, um, especially on the defensive end and the offensive end. You know, he's he's the most complete player uh, at the guard spot out there, really. Um, so I think, yeah, sure, he can put up the numbers, but I don't think it's actually going to be a 
real discussion, but I don't think it like hurts anything to throw it out there. I don't think he's a guy that's going to like buckle under the pressure of this expectation. And I don't think, you know, fans are going to be disappointed if he's not, I mean, if anything, they're going to, they're not necessarily going to be disappointed. They're going to just light pit, uh, light torches and carry pitchforks kind of half-heartedly, you know, as something to rally behind is us being, you know, shat upon again, you know, because we're at a small market, New Orleans team, all of this stuff that we like to, you know, fall back on and, and use as motivation. Um, so I don't think there's any downside to it, um, but I wouldn't expect it to happen. David, my two concerns outside of distributing the wealth and making sure that all these young developmental guys get their shots are that, one, you do want to see that youth develop. You want to see minutes for guys like Nick Hale and Frank Jackson and really flush out the roster. But in addition to that, Drew Holiday was fifth in minutes played last year. He was fifth in total minutes played two years ago. He's 40th uh, among active players in minutes played. He's got 50 minutes less than J.J. Redick, who's six years older than him. Uh, He's at a little bit under 22,000 minutes. This is the perfect season in order to preserve him, play him around 32 minutes per game. And if you do that, you directly take away some of his touches and some of his offensive potential. Do you still see the Pelicans pushing him to his limits, 35, 36 minutes a game? Or do you think uh, it's right to assume they might preserve him a bit? Well, I think optimally, they don't want him to play 36 to 38 minutes a night. I I think if things are going the way this team is supposed to be doing it, um, you know, guys should see more balance. Um, and, and, and really, we've seen Alvin say it. If I don't play these guys, we got no chance to win. That was the past. Now he looks up and down the bench and there are options. So I don't think he has to tax Drew in the same way that he did before. And I think also there are ways within the game that even if he is playing 34, 36 minutes, that now that pressure can be eased. Um, you can play him. He doesn't have to have the ball in his hands the way he did so predominantly last season or, or the last few seasons so they can ease his load in that regard. Um, but no, I don't see Drew as a, as a league MVP player. I see him as a guy who could make first team all NBA. I see him as a guy who could do that, you know, first team all defense again. But the two parts that you're talking about that Kevin hit on, number one, the competitive part, yeah. The only guy who's won it who didn't finish top three, his team didn't finish top three, is Russell Westbrook with the triple doubles. So it's rare to do that. And then on the second part, it's statistically, um, I just don't think Drew is the kind of guy who's going to put up numbers that are going to pop out of your head. If you're a basketball person, you look at them and you know how impressive they are. But if you're a voter, it's going to be hard considering the guys around this league who are going to have better records and better numbers. So, no, I don't think it's really a, a legitimate thing for them to be campaigning for Drew Holiday. But I do think, yeah, they will manage his minutes better. They will do things to put him in position to be successful. But more than anything, this is about establishing the tone that this is your team. Please lead these youngsters. All right, we're going to get into some rapid-fire questions. Each of you are going to get a crack at one of these. Uh, We'll go to Kevin first. This is from Austin Jackson. He says, what is the most effective five-man lineup that you see the Pels rolling out? So let's talk about our death lineup. Which five guys are on the floor for you? Uh, well, you know, Zion at the five, Drew's in there at the two for sure. Um, I think uh, I'd have Redick out there for shooting, Lonzo, and then I might go small. It depends on who we're playing, but I might go small with Ingram at the four or um, Melly. All right, nice. Why don't you take the same one, Grub? 
Yeah, got to have Lonzo and Zion because I think those two have already connected psychologically. Same with Drew. Um, the three and the four. I actually, I might go Ingram and Melly because I like Ingram's ability to drive to the basket and create and get to the foul line. Um, and then for Melly to be in, to, to be that presence to also handle the ball and shoot, I think you give yourself a little bit more length and versatility. That would might be my only slight change. But we haven't seen these groups play, so it's kind of tentative. But that that would be my five today. I would right, just Kevin, put this out there too, real quick. Uh, this is a lineup that I really would like to see. Some is Zion at the five, Melly at the four, Nikhil Alexander Walker at the three, and Drew and Reddick in the backcourt, and Walker being you know sort of the de facto point guard, but from the three position defensively. Well, we're just getting to that question, Kevin, because this is number two from Austin Jackson. He says, if the Pelicans do go with a nine-man rotation, does that include J.J. Frank and Naw, or do you think those guys are on the outside looking in? Uh, I mean, J.J. is definitely in. There's no question about that. And I I think uh, Naw has definitely earned his way in. And like I said before we even preseason even started in our roundtable discussions about rotations, I think, you know, 10 to 12 minutes a game, are going to be for Naw or Frank Jackson. But I think it's going to be one or the other. I don't think they're going to split that because there's really no point in giving two guys six minutes. You should give guys 12 minutes where they can get into the flow and, you know, and really do something with that time. But you can rotate that depending on matchups and need uh, roster-wise. Um, so, yeah, I, I think some nights Alexander Walker is going to play. Some nights Frank Jackson is going to play. I don't think they're both going to play together without injuries or some movement because you, you can still see some trades happening uh, at some point. Um, but as it enters the season, I see about 10 to 12 minutes a game for one of those two. Then I, Reddick's going to play, you know, around 20 minutes for sure. Gambling. It's not the most prevalent of topics at the family barbecue, but the truth is it can be quite fun. Picking a couple of friends to play some friendly wagers before a game can immediately raise the stakes and make your Sundays even more exhilarating. And that's why I go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. Football fans, you can even bet after kickoff. So if it looks like your bet is fading, just take the other side. If you like to bet a lot, try a parlay. You can multiply your winnings and brag to your friends as the money rolls in. But now is the best time to join because my bookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code CHAIR to activate the offer. That's promo code CHAIR. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Man, I would love to see Nah Holiday and Reddick all on the floor at the same time or sub out Reddick for Frank Jackson. Just so much uh, off-ball movement. This is from Telus of Athens, David. Why would the Pels run a 9-10 to player rotation when they're at least 12 quality players deep and are trying to lead the league in pace? So you want to keep these guys fresh. Grub, do you think it's going to be a 12-man rotation? No. Um, I think that 12 guys will get used on different nights. You know, I think he'll go up and down the bench from night to night. But I don't think in any game you're going to use all 12 guys because that means that somebody in your, your – you want some of these starters to get rhythm. You know what I mean? That's why you don't go to extended – you know, people don't go that deep into their bench over the course of the season. Those guys – again, I think Alvin will give them minutes to get experience, but you rely on the guys you rely on when you're trying to win games. And ultimately the Pelicans are trying to win games. And they have enough players at the top nine of that rotation – who can win games for you without having to figure out if one of those other three on any given night are hot enough 
to play offensively or are locked in enough to play defensively um, against that particular matchup. So I think that core nine is going to be there, and then the rest will be dictated on foul troubles and matchups. All right, Kevin, I'm going to skip you because I've got a fun follow-up to this next question I'm going to ask Grub that I want you to weigh on, weigh in on. So, Grub, what kind of development do you need to see from Zion, Drew, Brandon Ingram, and Lonzo in the first 10 games of the regular season? It's all about their defensive ability as a group. You know, if Zion is going to, you know, he picked up a couple cheap fouls uh, in their last uh, preseason game. And I think there's still, again, one of the things that people talk about, he hasn't blocked any shots yet. And that's something that you, you don't expect. And that comes from not really knowing where you're supposed to be all the time. When you're confident, you can leave your man and go block that weak side shot. And I, I think he's still trying to get there. Same with Ingram. I think we've seen that Lonzo um, and Drew, you know, Drew, you don't have any question defensively, but we've already seen Lonzo's activity there, getting steals, getting blocked shots, creating some havoc and turning it the other way. So the big question is going to be about Ingram and Zion and their development on the defensive end. I have no doubt that the two of them will be able to get buckets, but it's just if they don't defend, that's why the Pelicans have gotten off to these rough starts. It's not the talent. It's just that early on, if they're not getting stops, they don't get offense. And that's when it's so hard for Zion is to convert that. And um, that's going to be the biggest thing early on. All right, Kevin, that was from Ben Mutton. And he has naturally a follow-up question to this. Uh, it's it's a tough initial gate uh, for the Pelicans to start the regular season. Odds are they're probably going to struggle a bit. And maybe the national media is going to be a bit down on them. Right now, we've got the ringer. We've got Zach Lowe. Everybody's heaping their praises. The The NBA's number one league pass team, uh, a lot of them are heralding them as. But it's, it's going to somber some folks uh, when the Pelicans come out of the gate and struggle a little bit. So why don't you forecast for us? This is another question from Ben, a great question forecast what the national and local media's narrative will be around the Pelicans after those first 10 games. Yeah, I mean, it's a brutal opening stretch. You know, you got the Raptors twice. You got uh, the Thunder, who are going to be better than a lot of people think they are. The Mavericks, you got the Rockets, you got the Nuggets, you got the Nets. Even without KD, it's still a good team. Clippers. So they have a really tough going to start out. Um, I think, you know, a reasonable expectation is four and six and you could still feel good about it where the games are going to be fun and you're going to see some progress. You're going to see some chemistry. You're going to see something to build off of. Um, and it's going to be different than some of the slower starts we've had before, because even though the expectations are high everywhere, I think there's still some sense of uh, reason within everyone looking at this and knowing, you know, you got 15 of the 20 players on the roster right now are brand new. Nobody's played together. You got a whole new defensive system. You're relying on two rookies, well, really three rookies to play decent minutes when you're talking about Melly, Zion, and, and Nikhil Alexander-Walker. So there's a lot of adjustment period, and the open instruction is brutal. Um, I think uh, if you're talking about, like, a ridiculous hot take narrative that's coming out, um, I think you might, you could possibly say they come out two and two and seven. I mean, uh, um, two and eight. Uh, then you know you could see, oh, maybe it's time that the Pelicans trade Drew Holiday. You know, when you save Drew Holiday, that kind of thing. Or you could talk about you know Zion being unhappy. These sort of things could crop up. But I, I think the vibe around the team and the message around the team and the joy that they show playing together 
will overcome all of that, honestly. And I think people will really see that even if the beginning is a bit of a stumble, that it's going to, it's going to take off because of, um, you can see what's happening, a concept, you can see a play style, how it works and how it fits. And you can, you're going to be able to see growth and, and enjoyment from the team. And that's, that's a big part of it all. All right. First of uh, the first four of seven games are all nationally televised on TNT and NBA TV. Uh, some pretty good opponents in that slate. So obviously uh, there there is going to be a lot of national media attention on those first seven games specifically. Grub, this is from lifelong Pelicans fan. Uh, I'm just going to abridge the first part of the question. The way Zion has been playing, would you say the Pelicans are a surefire contender for the playoffs right now? Yeah, I think they're a contender. Sure. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any doubt that they can contend, um, but I'm not gonna. I'm not willing to bet the house that they're gonna make it. I think you know I've said all along, and I've said that I think that they're a 43 win team if everything goes right. Uh, that may get you an eighth spot. It may not, but their range is in the range of contention, and it's not just on Zion. Again, six players in the top 100. No team has more players in the top 100 than New Orleans Pelicans. Six. So I think the next close is, what, four? And so, I mean, with that many players, you should be in contention. So I don't think it's it's out of the realm of possibility to say that this is a playoff contending team. Now, if you want to sit there, if somebody says, oh, is this a championship-level team? Is this a second-round team? No, I'm not going to say that at all. But, I, yeah, playoff contention is easy. All right, Kevin, another fun one for you. If you wanted to contend for the NBA title this year, this is also from lifelong Pelicans fans, would you rather have Drew Holiday and Zion or CJ McCollum and Dame Lillard? Oh, I, Drew Holiday and Zion. I mean, you know, because first off, I mean, nothing against uh, Dame and, uh, and CJ because I, I really like those two players a lot, but, you know, they're similar. They're backcourt players. They're both backcourt players. So you have Drew in the backcourt, Zion in the front court. It's, you know, you have multiple ways to attack. You've seen already flashes of what Zion can do, and you know what Drew Holiday can do. And, you know, those two providing the defense that they project to provide, uh, creating offense and the ability to run and transition, and for Drew to score from multiple levels, and for uh, Zion's, like, efficiency around the basket and his ability to get to the basket has been so incredible um, that – yeah, I would I would take those, even though, you know, Dame and CJ are veterans and Dame can score. Either one of them can drop 50 points a night on any night. You know, I, I just think, you know, it's a more diverse attack. And also, I sort of trust the build of the Pelicans team more than I do the current Portland structure, because I think they lost a lot of defense on the on the wing. And I think they also, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how. Whiteside works there. Um, I mean, they'll get Nurkic back at some point, but that roster is a bit weird to me. Um, they have some players I like, but I just feel like they gave up a lot defensively for a team that already wasn't great defensively. Um, so I think they're going to struggle to stop people from scoring. 
I know I'm a bit biased, but I'd rather have Drew Holiday than Dame Lillard right now. And I know that that was a difficult matchup for Dame Lillard. The Pelicans were keyed in on him, but he did struggle immensely uh, in that first round series in 2017-18. It was CJ McCollum who went off for 40 uh, 40 points, 40 pounds in game four. It's going well for us. Uh, David Grubb, Adrian Wojnarowski reported that the Pelicans were indeed in talks with Brandon Ingram about an extension. Nothing was imminent. So that prompts questions from Hot Pelicans Takes and Nola Sports Fan. Nola Sports Fan says, how would you guys handle B.I.'s contract extension? And Hot Pelicans Take says, should we take the risk and pay Ingram now or wait until the end of the season when he might be wildly expensive or he might have underwhelmed? What would you do, David? I think this the Pelicans are taking the right approach. I agree with what they're doing. You make the early overture. Just make sure that you the player understands that you're interested and that you your expectation is you will do, have the kind of season that warrants what we expect. And I think that's where they are now. They, I, I, have, I have no belief that David Griffin actually wants this extension signed today because there are so many question marks, and that's the way I would handle it. Um, could he be more expensive at the end of the season? Absolutely. But if he is, that means he's played extremely well and you are in position to sign him no matter what. So I think that that's a better problem to have than signing him now, sight unseen, and then you're stuck with a player who maybe does not physically get back to a level you want or isn't a fit for what you have. And then when you try to put him on the trade market at the end of the season to get out from under it, you've signed him to a deal that other people don't want to give you the kind of pieces you want in return. So I think this is the prudent way to do it. Um, Again, show interest. Let the season play out. I don't think Ingram is interested in rushing it either. He wants to see how he fits in New Orleans. He wants to see if he's going to get the touches that he's expecting. And at the end of the season, if everything feels good, the, I, I am confident that these two sides would come to an agreement. But I don't believe either side is in a rush to do it. But I think there are good feelings there, and that's where they should be at this point. All right, I'm going to get you out on this one, uh, Kevin and Grubb, because this mm-hmm. is a fun one. Even though the, the fans didn't ask uh, this one, I think they would want to know the answer. Uh, we are a week away from NBA basketball, nationally televised Pelicans take on the Toronto Raptors. Will we see Nikhil Alexander-Walker in that game, Kevin? I think so. I think he's done enough to, you know, get minutes in there. That was easy enough. All right, Grub. Uh, same question. Obviously, we're going to have some version of J.J. Redick, Josh Hart, Nicola Melli, Jaleel Okafor, as well as Derek Favors. Uh, should everyone be healthy at that point? You've got to look at Etwan Moore as the veteran. Do you think we'll see Nikhil Alexander-Walker in that game? It's a lock. I think it's an absolute lock. I think he's jumped past so many players um, in the rotation right now. So, yeah, I think he absolutely – I think he sees double-digit minutes in game one. Let wow. me ask you, Grub, right now, because I feel like – I'm a big fan of Josh Hart, and I think, again, he's another guy who's dealing with injury, and we haven't seen the real Josh Hart yet. Who do you think gets more minutes in that Toronto game, Josh Hart or Nikhil Alexander-Walker? Nikhil. Yeah. I, I think, think Nikhil gets more minutes than Josh because Josh can't run side to side right now. I agree with that. I think so, too. All right, you guys. That was a fun episode. Uh, follow Kevin at Kevin B for Bounce. Follow David Grubb at DM Grubb. We'll go ahead and start with David. Why don't you flash again your uh, radio handle, where people can follow you, where they can hear your radio st- uh, station, Hard in the Paint on 1280 AM, what times your show is, that sort of thing. 8 to 10 AM, Monday through Friday. You can catch us on WODT or on the iHeartRadio app live and as a podcast after the show is over. 
And uh, of course, visit my website, hitpwithbg.com, or uh, follow me on Twitter uh, for the show, hitp underscore with underscore dg. All right. And Kevin, why should our subscribers order Blue Chew pills? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We have a team that likes to get up. So (laughs) get in gear with them. You know what I'm saying? Holiday. You got two holidays. <laughs> all right i just really wanted to see Kevin's reaction to that all right you guys thank you so much for listening if you like the podcast of course you know what to do subscribe tell your friends give us a five-star rating on itunes any little bit you can do helps specifically spreading the word to people who haven't already heard about our podcast that's the number one thing that you can do uh obviously hit us with questions we try to cover everybody if we missed any we apologize we're supposed to have some high profile guests this week we'll see whether or not we can nail them down if we do those pods should come to you uh tomorrow through sunday but in the meantime tomorrow looks like i'll connect with ollie and uh maybe we'll we'll catch kevin and grub at some point before the end of the week and of course keep looking at the bird rights i've got an article on drew holiday right now i'm sure ollie will have something up for you guys tomorrow and thanks for listening let's dance let's go pals for listening to the bird calls on the armchair all-american network if you like what you're hearing please take a moment to rate us on itunes retweet share with your friends and most importantly subscribe today